I thought I would begin uh, this uh, talk with, uh, with a joke, an old joke. Uh, we've all been going through difficult times, uh, so a little humor is always uh, called for. Ajahn Fruong used to like to say that a sense of humor is the sign of a healthy mind. So it's the old joke of uh, two women sitting in the dining room at a, at a resort in the Catskills, a hotel in the Catskills, and uh, one of the women turns to the other one and says, you know, the food in this place is really terrible. It's really awful. And the other woman looks at her and kind of nods her head in agreement and says, you know, it really is. You know, and you know what the worst thing is? The portions are so small. In, in, in an imperfect way, it kind of speaks to uh, our relationship to uh, or our experience of life. As we understand it as Dharma students, there's lots of difficulty in life. There's painful experience in life. At the same time, there's extraordinary goodness in life. There's, uh, there's uh, an unqualified happiness in this life that's available to us. And, and this life is so precious. And we, and we wish there were more to it. We wish there was more. We wish it didn't go by so fast. There is much that is difficult. There is much that is difficult in life. The Buddha uh, said it's stressful. You know, there's stressful experience in life. I think this piece is in the notes. Let's see if I can find it here. Uh, the quote uh, the Buddha gave in his first Dharma talk, setting the wheel of the Dharma in motion. He laid it out. This is the way it is. This is the noble truth of stress. And sometimes Tanisar Bhikkhu in his translations uh, uses the word stress for dukkha, or sometimes that's also translated as suffering. Uh, this is the noble truth. It's a noble truth. This is the truth. This is the way things are. Birth is stressful. Uh, aging is stressful. Death is stressful. Sorrow, lamentation, pain, distress, and despair are stressful. Association with the unbeloved is stressful. Separation from the loved is stressful. Not getting what is wanted is stressful. In short, the five clinging aggregates are stressful. The experiences of body and mind that we are apt to cling to are stressful. They conduce to suffering if we don't relate to them unskillfully. They're difficult. They're, they're painful. Uh, so there is that which is difficult in this, in this life. Uh, there is, as the Buddha alludes to in that passage, sickness, aging, death, separation. We'll be separated. We sometimes chant. Uh, when we chant the five subjects, the Buddha said we should reflect on these things frequently. When we, reflect, when we chant the sub subjects for recollection, we chant that we'll be separated from all that is dear and appealing to us. Everything we know that's dear and appealing to us in this life will be separated from all the conditioned things. <clears throat> we, we endure disagreeable experience in life, including disagreeable people. Things, as the Buddha alludes to in that passage, don't go the way that we would like them to go. We, uh, we endure difficult experiences of body and mind. 
body and mind. And yet we don't want the experience of life to end. And yet the experience of life is so precious to us. And there's so much beauty in this life. There's so much goodness. There's an extraordinary happiness available to us in this life, simply by virtue of having this human body and this human heart. So of course, you know, in, the, in that teaching, setting the wheel of the Dharma in motion, the Buddha lays out his basic principles of the Four Noble Truths. There's difficulty in life. Uh, if, we, uh, if we don't relate to that experience of uh, difficulty in a skillful way, we're going to suffer, and we won't be able to experience and know the goodness that's in life and the goodness that's inside of us and the happiness that's always there in this life. But if we can learn to relate to those experiences of life skillfully, then we can know the goodness in life and we can know the happiness of heart. So this goodness, this great happiness, what we sometimes call a true happiness, uh, is a happiness that we find inside. It's a, fun, it's a happiness that we find inside of ourselves, in the heart, in the awakened heart, the heart that's free. We often call this a true happiness because it's a happiness that's always there. It's a happiness that's always there. It's covered over much of the time uh, by uh, uh, the ways that we relate unskillfully to our experience, our suffering, our dukkha. Uh, but this happiness is always there inside, in the awakened heart. It's part of the ever-present truth. It's a kaliko. So, uh, as Dharma students, our task is to know this happiness. I mean, that's the, that's the ultimate task of the Dharma student, is to know the happiness of heart, the happiness of the awakened heart. I mean, people practice elements of what the Buddha taught in the service of, uh, you know, accomplishing other things, if it's uh, different kinds of uh, emotional health and etc., which is all good, uh, but the, the 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 objective of the Dharma student in following the Dharma, the path the Buddha laid out, what we sometimes call the true Dharma, is to know this happiness of heart. It's important to to uh, to have that understanding and uh, that goal, if you will, uh, because it's not necessarily an easy goal. And you know, it's like a lot of other things in life. If we if we don't dedicate ourselves to a certain goal, it's going to be very hard to reach that goal. So having goals is important. The goal of Dharma practice is to to know the happiness of the awakened heart. So Dharma practice, the path the Buddha laid out when he gave that teaching, setting the wheel of the Dharma in motion, you know, uh, there is this happiness that's available to us, a true happiness as human beings. And we can know this happiness, uh, the practice 
that we follow that's going to enable us to know this happy, happiness, the path that the Buddha laid out, uh, uh, the path that we practice, uh, you know, we engage in this practice in the service of developing the skills so that we can know true happiness. That's our goal. The heart of the path, the heart of the practice is meditation, mental training, developing concentration, developing concentration. That's really where the lion's share of the work goes, right? That's where the, the great effort in meditation practice and dharma, and dharma practice goes is in, in concentration practice and to concentration practice. I mean, the concentration practice will lead us to the wisdom that will enable us to free the heart from its, the, uh, from its uh, obscurations and know the, the awakened heart. So, uh, you know, specifically, you know, we're seeking to develop a particular kind of concentration known as jhana, strong concentration, that includes ease and internal pleasure and equanimity. When we're able to develop this strong concentration, we're able to have equanimity in the face of those difficulties, right? I, I gave the litany of difficulties that we experience invariably as human beings. Everybody here experience, going to experience sickness, aging, death, and separation. You know, association with the unbeloved, not getting what is wanted, that's the way it's going to be. Concentration enables us to develop equanimity in the face of these difficulties, the ability to remain composed, the ability to have space in the face of these difficulties of life. We don't get thrown by these experiences of life. We remain uh, steady and balanced and strong. It's that quality of inner strength that is essential to knowing happiness in this life because, because life is difficult. There's going to be a lot of difficult things and we need this quality of inner strength so that we can, uh, so that we can meet life and know the happiness that life, uh, this life, the great happiness, the extraordinary happiness that this life uh, offers to us. Uh, the concentration that we're developing, the equanimity that we develop in meditation practice, enables us to see the unskillful ways that we relate to difficulty. Uh, you know, the problem isn't the difficulties in life, essentially. The problem is the way we relate to it that's unskillful or our clinging, right? Our clinging our disliking and our liking and our views and our opinions, our aversion and desire in regard to the way life is, in regard to the challenges of life, or just the experiences of life, the conditioned experiences of life. So uh, when, we, when we have concentration, uh, we, we can see what we're doing that's blocking us off from the awakened heart. Uh, we see what's preventing us from knowing true happiness, the happiness of the heart. We see what's preventing us. I mean, one way to think about this, and we talk a lot about clinging and suffering is that which is blocking off the heart. Uh, uh, we see what's preventing us from knowing the goodness in life, right? The goodness in life is inside. Our clinging and our suffering is preventing us from knowing the goodness in life, the goodness of the awakened heart. 
So because of our clinging and our suffering and our unskillful way of relating to the experience of life, we don't see the goodness in life. We don't see the extraordinary, we don't connect to the extraordinary happiness that's available to us in the heart. I often think of uh, you know, that George Harrison song, you know, Isn't It a Pity? I'm not going to sing, but you know, isn't it a pity, isn't it a shame that not too many people can see we're all the same, and because of all our tears, our, heart, our eyes can't hope to see the beauty that surrounds us, isn't it a pity? Yeah, because of all our suffering, we don't see the goodness in life, we don't see the extraordinary happiness, we don't know the great happiness of the heart. So, concentration enables us to see that. You know, to see that we're blocking ourselves off, we're preventing ourselves from knowing the greatest happiness that there is. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. And then we start to develop what's known as disenchantment with what we're doing. Oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to allow myself to, to hold on to that dislike for that person or that aversion in terms of this experience in my life. Uh, because that's preventing me from the heart. It's preventing me from knowing the greatest happiness there is. So we learn with concentration to, to see what's blocking what we're doing that's preventing us from the heart, and we learn to be able to discern the happiness that's inside, the happiness of the awakened heart. That's the third noble truth of the Buddha to see and know and experience, to realize the, the awakened heart, the happiness of the heart, the happiness that's a kalika and ever-present. So, you know, we begin to do that by noticing moments, right? We notice these moments, but those moments are very powerful. One finger snap, one moment of awakening, of awakening to the heart, awakening to the happiness. You know, the awake, awakening is awakening, we're awakening. We're awakening to the happiness that's there in the moment. Awakening happens in a finger snap. One moment of awakening is timeless. It's pure. It's pure. Every moment that we awaken. So we're experiencing these moments of awakening. More and more we know this happiness inside. The happiness of the awakened heart. Ajahn Fuang uh, said of his teacher, it was Ajahn Lee, Ajahn Fuang's teacher was Ajahn Lee, and Ajahn uh, Fuang said about Ajahn Lee, he showed me the brightness of the world. He showed me the brightness of the world. He showed me the happiness that's there in this human life that we find in the heart. So, so this is a process, of course, you know, in meditation that we engage in in large part on our own, day after day, sitting on the proverbial cushion, being mindful of the breath, but it's a process that essentially is engaged in as part of a collective effort, right? So this is, this is basic to the teaching. This is basic to the teaching. If we want to develop these skills, if we want to know uh, 
the awakened heart. If we want to awaken, uh, you know, this is this is the Dharma. This is the true Dharma. Uh, that's a process that must be engaged in as part of a collective effort. Right? So we need teachers. We need the support of others. And we need to support others, too. That's part of the process, right? It's a reciprocal process. So we need the support of others. We tend to think, well, if I want to awaken, I need the support of teachers and peers. But you also need, if you want to awaken, to learn how to support others, to cultivate generosity and non-harming in support of others is essential to the process. You know, we need to work to process. It's a we process. It's a we process. Awakening happens uh, collectively as part, you know, we, individually we awaken to the goodness of the heart and the happiness of the heart, but it's something that we do as part of uh, a community of, of, of fellow Dharma students. That's why the Buddha, you know, uh, you know Ananda said to the Buddha, uh, you know, community with others is half of the holy life. And then the Buddha said, no, it's the whole of the holy life. It's essential to the holy life. The holy life, the path, if you will. Oh, that sounds funny. The holy life, uh, by its definition, must include uh, you know, the engagement with others. It's a practice that we do together. Everybody here, I think, probably understands that from just meditating in a group, right? And you know how much more powerful that is, right? So this happiness of heart, this quality of the awakened heart, is, is, is a happiness that's available to all of us. It's not far. You know, the Buddha said the doors to the deathless are open to those with a little dust in their eyes. If we have just a little dust in the rise, and we can we can appreciate these teachings, you know, and begin to to put them into practice, and to begin to see that there is a way out of our suffering, and that there is a happiness of heart. Uh, you know, we can make the effort that's required, you know, and know this happiness. You know, we've all known it. You know, we've all experienced this happiness of heart the happiness of the awakened heart. It's why we understand how precious this time that we have is. You know, because we, we've experienced, we've experienced the beauty in life, the goodness in life, the happiness that's found in the awakened heart. Everybody here has experienced that. That's why we understand that despite all of its difficulties, life is so precious. Because, because as human beings, we have this incredible gift, which is the capacity to know the awakened heart, to know the happiness of heart. So I think most people here know that uh, I, uh, now, I was living in, in Germany and in Berlin for a while, for a few years, and I moved back to the States in the midst of the pandemic. And, uh, you know, partly because of the pandemic, it's been, it's been kind of a challenge for me to, to find a, a, a place to live. 
still don't feel like I'm particularly settled, but uh, for the time being at least, I'm um, living in Queens, and uh, uh, I'm actually living like just down the road, just down Queens Boulevard from my, the first apartment I moved into when I moved into the city more than 40 years ago. Uh, which is a little strange in and of itself, but uh, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll walk over to that, and it's like, it's probably a mile, it's not far. Uh, and I'll walk kind of over to those streets where I, where I first lived. And, uh, uh, and you know, sometimes when I've walked over there, there's just this feeling in the chest that has just kind of arisen. It's like kind of a, pa a painful feeling. And I've, a couple of times I just started crying. You know? And at first it was like, well, what, what is this? You know? And it's, then I realized it's grief. You know, it was a feeling of grief that arose when I would go over to that neighborhood. And, uh, you know, I moved, I was, as I said, my first apartment that I moved into uh, was over 40 years ago. It was the first apartment I moved into as a, uh, on my own, setting out in the world. Uh, you know, uh, it was the first time I moved into the city, you know, and it just, you know, the whole world lay before me, you know, it's like, you know, it's, you know, Joyce described in the portrait of the artist of the young man setting, setting out into the world. Uh, and uh, it was just this extraordinary hopeful optimism of, of this, this life that lay before me, this, this, this great life that lay before. And, uh, uh, most of that life is past. You know, now it's 40 years late, later, and there's not that much left. I don't have another 40. That's pretty, pretty certain. Yeah. Uh, most of that life has passed. Uh, and there was that grief. There was that grief. Wow. You know, all this time has gone past. Uh, uh, life is so short, the time is so limited, right? The time is so limited, and that was, you know, the, you know as the Buddha said, there's, there's, there's pain there, you know? This is the truth of, of, of death, you know, that we're all gonna die, and life is extremely brief, you know? And I had sort of this very, power, I had this very powerful experience of that, walking over to the street where I lived, you know? When I was, uh, you know, a young man, Time is limited. It's getting short. I thought I had all the time in the world back then, and now I, re you know, now I understand. It's like it's really getting short. It's really getting short. The days and nights, as the Buddha teaches us to reflect, are passing endlessly. Of course, he says the days and nights are passing endlessly. How am I spending my time? So for me, there's you know there's that feeling of grief, which you know I can hold with equanimity, and and you know and not and not uh, cling to. That's a natural human emotion, you know. And then beyond that, there's the deeper motivation in the heart to do what has to be done every day to know the awakened heart, to know the happiness inside, 
to make the most of the time I have. We have a certain amount of time in this life. We can know the happiness of the heart, the happiness of the awakened heart. So, you know, for the Buddha, his task was to make the most of the time he had. That's what he wanted to do. And it's the same for us, to make the most of the time that we have in this life. <clears throat> 